Welcome to Life Church Podcasts. We know you'll be blessed by this message. Turn to 2 Timothy if you want to follow along this morning and uh, we will see where we go. But I want to uh, honour God, honour Jesus this morning, bring glory to them, always want to do that, but I want to do it through talking about the Apostle Paul this morning. And so he wrote two letters to Timothy, who was a younger man, who was a pastor. He was a uh, like a mentor to Timothy, instructed him and taught him lots, like like a spiritual dad to him, father to him, in the faith. And uh, I think Paul would be a great role model for each of us today. And so, want to look at some things regards Paul's life today and mostly come out of the verses in chapter 4 from, say, verse 6 onwards. And I want to read to the end of the chapter and then share some thoughts about what I see here in Paul's life today. So, Lord, I just pray always, Lord, that you would anoint this message today. All that's said, all that's done, Lord, we want to bring glory to you, and I ask that sincerely today. In and through your name, the name of Jesus. Amen. So 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6, Paul says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Finally there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Be diligent to come to me quickly, for Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world and has departed for Thessalonica, Crescens for Galatia, Titus for Dalmatia, only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for ministry. And Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. Bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas when you come, and the books, especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. May the Lord repay him according to his works. You also must uh, beware of him, for he has greatly resisted our words. At my first defence no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that the message might be preached fully through me and that all the Gentiles might hear. Also I was delivered out of the mouth of a lion and the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. And then he finalises his letter by saying, Greet um, Prisia, Aquila, and the household of Onesiphorus. I wish they had uh, English names. That would be far easier for me. Erastus stayed in Corinth, but Trophimus I have left in Miletus sick. Do your uttermost to come before winter. Eubulus greets you as well as Pudens. Linus, I know Lynn. Perry, that's Lynn's Lynn's got uh, got his name in there. 
Claudia and all the brethren, farewell. The Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Grace be with you. Amen. So I, I, I love Paul. I, I, uh, I, he was an incredible man. Um, Luke travelled with him. Luke stayed with him. Luke, I think, probably wrote most of what uh, Paul said. Most of his writings, Luke actually wrote them. And uh, occasionally Paul wrote bits with his own hand, but usually it was Luke. And uh, either one of those two men wrote the most of the New Testament. It depends who wrote Hebrews. If Paul did, he wrote the most. If someone else did, in actual length of words, probably Luke wrote most of the New Testament. Luke's a long gospel, and he wrote the book of Acts, and uh, so who, who knows? But they, uh, they uh, had a lot of respect and, uh, uh, for each other. But Paul, I, I think, usually is a fairly upbeat man. Um, would you say that from all your reading of his epistles? Usually he's a fiery sort of upbeat character and really... Uh, yeah, sort of going for it, really. Uh, uh, he's the one who, uh, after a terrible beating, praised God with Silas at midnight and had an earthquake and a great miracle happen. And doesn't sound to me like he was one to ever get too down. But at the end of this uh, farewell to Timothy, I just sense a bit of resignation in him, a little bit of... Uh, Sadness, maybe contemplation. I don't know all the words I'm, I'm looking for here. A touch of angst. Um, I think he was doing it tough, and uh, and you think, well, that's a bit downbeat. But I, I I loved Lorraine's word this morning. Like we do go through times where we get down. We do go through times when it's tough, and it's good to see people like uh, read about people like Paul and. Uh, you know, that, that he, he was doing it a bit tough. And Peter, and I will never, who's ever said to God, I will never? And I think, oh, no, I did it again. And I just, we do that. But, you know, God didn't kick them out and well, God restored them. And, and, you know, it's good to know that. I love that. Like, you know, you read biographies of some people and they never, ever put the bad bits in, do they? And make them look better than they were. And the Bible is just so bluntly honest about everything about the characters that's in there. I, lo I really love it for that. But um, there were lots of things going wrong for Paul. Um, but I love the way he acted. He always acted honourably, I believe. And I, I think we can learn a lot from that. Whatever our circumstance, if we can act honourably, I think we will do well. I think God blesses honourably, okay? So the first thing I see that Paul was facing this morning was death by execution. Uh, and I guess death is death, uh, but this was no palliative care situation. This was... Uh, Nero was the most horrible emperor there was of all the Roman emperors. Uh, he killed literally millions in his time and... Uh, I think he's Mr. 666, that's what his name, his number's equal of his name when you work it out. And uh, I think he's been, and uh, he was a horrible man, and so he says the time of my departure's at hand. He knew that he was going to die. He'd been jailed, 
imprisoned and he'd gotten out of prison and then he was back in prison again and he knew this time that he wasn't going to get out and so that's you know you, you're reading the last words here of a man who's facing death and that probably adds a little to them as well and uh, uh, he, he knew that he was going to die uh, we do know that he wrote this letter to Timothy in AD 67 and Roman records say that he was executed after shock and torture by Nero in AD 67 so I don't know what the time period apart but he was facing death he didn't have long to go before he died and uh, so I, I just love the way he wrote and the way he acted honorably and all that he did knowing that he faced death uh, not because he'd been a bad man but because he preached the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and uh, uh, and honorably at that and so uh, uh, but yeah, he was facing death. Number two, people had let him down. And who's ever, uh, who's been around long enough to work out that sadly people can let us down? They can, can't they? They just, uh, yeah. I used to work <coughs> for a man. Well, I didn't, I, I contracted to a man and, and he's still a friend of mine, but oh, he was terrible. He was just a. Uh, yeah, doing this job up in the bush up in Stanley and and uh, had a machine up in the middle of the bush and had a truck somewhere else and he said, I'll be back tonight at five o'clock to pick you up. And I said, that'll be great, Ian. And uh, five o'clock come and six o'clock come and seven o'clock come and I was in an area where Telstra with their superb coverage that hardly covers anywhere once you get out of towns. <laughs> Uh, I couldn't get anyone on the phone and I wasn't walking out jolly copperheads and red belly blacks everywhere and I thought I'm not walking out of here and so turned up about nine o'clock. Oh, I forgot about you. No, just yes. Some some people are better than that. But you know what? People can let you down. And, uh, and, and like sometimes we probably don't mean to but sometimes people let you down and they probably do mean to. And uh, Paul had been through all that. For Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, he's gone to Thessalonica. So he's just pulled out. One of the ones who Paul was relying on to look after him. And uh, they were allowed to be taken stuff at times, and not all the time. It was a harsh, very, it was a dungeon condition. It wasn't like we got today. And this guy just said, oh, this is all too hard, and took off and left him. And that makes a difference when people let us down, doesn't it? And Paul had been through that. And uh, he's talking about his first imprisonment at his trial, his defence, and everyone deserted him. No one turned up to help him. No one even turned up to support him, even just to be there. And uh, only Luke, he said, is with me. Let's be Luke's. Let's be Luke's, okay? Can we agree on that today? Let's be someone who just is always there. I love people who, in church, they're just always there. You just, you just know. If the door's open, they'll be there. They're just always there. And I know we've got families and we've got situations and we can't always be here, but you know what I mean, people that are here lots. I just love faithfulness like that. And it just is encouraging. Sometimes if people are just here, it just adds, doesn't it? Your presence adds to what's going on today. Your praise adds to what goes on today. It all helps to make a difference. 
and uh, your praise and the way you worship God encourages the worship leader. The way you respond and nod your heads and I see you writing some notes down encourages the preacher. Um, It does, it really does. I can remember when I was a younger man and uh, I sort of really don't care anymore what uh, people think or feel. If they don't like me, I couldn't give a rip. And if they don't like me preaching, well, I don't really care either. So I'm in a good place in a way, aren't I? But when I was younger, yeah, I remember really really try and lead and worship one day and isn't it great just to praise the Lord and let's play me guitar we're all just sitting here so let's let's just clap to the Lord today and it, like, it doesn't really you know it's like you sort of you have to jack him up to bury him over that deep it was pathetic and uh, and serious like it just so your presence helps but we want to be Luke's, don't we, that are always there. When you're going through a bad spot, always there. They, they always come around. They seem to know when I'm, you know, we don't want people that run when we say we just want to be there for people. And uh, that would have made a heap of difference if Demas had stayed there. But he didn't. Uh, uh, but, but I love his attitude, you know, you know like... Uh, no one stood with, or everyone left me in my first trial, but may it not be charged against them. It wasn't any get even, well, I hope this, or I'll, you just, just, Lord, don't charge it against them. I just, yeah, these things happen with people. That's okay. And because God was with him, God stayed there with him. It also says that he was delivered out of the mouth of a lion, which was reality because... Uh, that was Nero's favourite pastime, throwing Christians to lions and watching the spectacle of that. And uh, that's the sort of man he got pleasure out of that. And the thing with Paul was that he was a Roman citizen, as we know, and it wasn't legal to throw Roman citizens to the lions. So he was lined up to go, and when Nero found out he was a Roman citizen, well, we can't do that to him. Uh, we'll torture him in other ways, but we won't throw him to the lions. So Paul's thankful, well, the Lord saved me out of the mouth of a lion. That's something, you know. So he was thankful about that. I love his attitude with it. I really do. But uh, uh, Luke is with me, yeah. And uh, Alexander the coppersmith did a whole lot of harm. If you go back to the first chapter, there was him and another fellow, Hymeus or something, his name. And they'd done a heap of harm. They'd resisted Paul and uh, uh, Paul had dealt with the written instructions of dealing with them back there. But um, uh, he's saying to Timothy, he's done a lot of damage to me too and watch out for this man. But people were a problem to Paul too. Paul had struggled with people and uh, like, we, like we all do at times, he was not excluded from that either. He had people that encouraged him, he had people that let him down he had people that tried to obstruct what he was doing with the gospel. Uh, he went through it all just like we did. But he never stopped doing it. He just kept doing it. And that's what we need to be like. Praise God. So uh, another thing I noticed, number three, if you're taking notes, I notice about Paul, is that people close to him were sick. I find this fascinating. I just really find this little bit of information here in verse 20 he says but Trophimus I have left in Miletus sick so Paul's the great apostle and uh, 
Paul had prayed for sick people and seen miracles. You know, miracles. Paul got bitten by a snake standing by the fire and everyone said, yeah, well, see, he's a criminal. <laughs> he's a criminal. <laughs> That's why the snake bit him. How long do you reckon he'll last? Paul's there sipping a can of Diet Coke and talking with everyone and chatting away and after an hour or so he's still as fit as a trout and I thought, well, he must be a god and then they're trying to worship him. Um, like, he, he's, he's a miracle man. Like, he's a man of incredible faith and uh, if you want to look at his ministry resume, it's pretty good. And so why didn't he pray for his friend? I would imagine that he did. And sometimes people don't get healed. And I don't want to put a damper on you. believe God heals and I believe he can heal today. But the truth is that sometimes things we pray for and it might, don't, might not just be healing don't happen. Or not the way we think they should or not the way that we hope they might. Um, have I seen answers for prayer? You tell me I, I've seen, I couldn't count the answers for prayer that I've seen. But there are some things I've prayed for that I haven't seen. And I don't know why. It's just all I know and the only thing I can get out of that point is that you've just got to keep on keeping on, focused on doing what God's called you to do. And that might not be being the pastor of a church. It might be being a husband or a wife or a mum or a dad or a good kid, whatever it may be. It may be just doing those things and focusing on them and focusing on the things that God did do because God did lots through Paul and I'm sure he didn't get upset about it because he never said he did he just said that he left him there sick and I'm sure that was a that was a bother to him that that wouldn't have been an easy thing to do but he just kept on keeping on and so it's no good focusing on the things that don't go right we've got to focus on the things that did go right amen and if we look around there's always more that does go right than goes wrong and uh, we can just get sometimes focused on the one thing that's not working and it just, yeah, exclude everything else. Everything's wrong. Everything. I just can't go on. remember one of our kids saying one day, what's wrong? There was only one thing wrong. There wasn't everything wrong. <laughs> but we can get like that, can't we? We get the one thing, like Lorraine was alluding to that a little this morning, and we get get focused on it and in the end it sort of overcomes us and our emotions get rolled and we're thinking that everything's wrong but it really isn't and we've got to really focus on what God has done. Count your many blessings. Remember the old hymn? Name them one by one and it might surprise you. I don't know if that's how it says it and it will surprise you. I think it says what the Lord has done. You've got to focus on what God has done. Amen. What God can do. Remember Rick Godwin's quote this morning. We want to do this. We haven't got the money. Oh, what are we going to do? No, God's able to provide the money. Amen? So that's the way we've got to look at it. It's really, really important. And Paul was good at doing that. Amen? He was really, really, really good at doing that. So uh, uh, sometimes you just got to trust God. That's just where it's at. Amen? And I have no problem trusting God. If I can't work it out, well, we'll trust God anyway. That's just where it's at. Praise God. Number four, for you who like orderly, I think this is the number four. 
I've got three number fours here, but they follow number two, so I'm assuming that this is number four. Just uh, sometimes electric stuff doesn't do what you... Couldn't be my fault, of course, but... So I think this is number four. Because people had let him down, I think Paul was probably a little anxious. Just, just a bit. I don't think he was losing it, but I just pick up some anxiousness there. Like in verse 13, he says, Bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas when you come, and the books, especially the parchments, which I think would have been Old Testament parchments that maybe he was allowed to have. It would have meant a lot to him. I don't think he called in to see Carpus one day and left his coat there. Said, oh, man, if I got me coat. I just don't think that happened. I think it's probably wrecked and ripped and worn and he's been in dungeons for a long time. He's not, you know, like he's not in such a good place and has probably left it there to get sewed up, I think, and he hasn't seen it. And so he's, he's saying to... to uh, uh, to Timothy, you know, like see if he can get here quickly. Like, but but when you come, bring the bring the cloak I left with Carpus and the parchments. And so he wants him to get there quickly because he doesn't know how long he's got. That's how close that like it was it was close to his death. And he not only needed Timothy to bring the the cloak that he hadn't yet received and the parchments, but um, he says in verse 21, "Do your utmost to come before winter." Because he's in a dungeon, the poor guy. He's got this cloak. I suggest it's probably warmer than... I mean, I couldn't ever see those places, you know, be having to take things off for being too hot. Uh, I think it was probably freezing. And he wanted his cloak and no one's bored. And Timothy, can you bring the thing, please? And can you try and get here for winter? That'd be really good. You can see the situation that he's in. It wasn't good. But, um, yeah, I praise God there are people we can rely on sometimes. But I I think it's probably been uh, forgotten and it's starting to get cold. And and, uh, I don't know. I I sort of feel, um, you know, when I think of that, I think of missions. And um, because, you know, I know I'll be too hot this summer, always am, because I don't like the heat. But in the winter, you know, we've got heaters, haven't we, and we've got clothes. But I just know, I was talking to a young lady during the week who is serving God in Africa, and they've got nothing. They've just got absolutely nothing. It really challenged me, and I just... Uh, uh, something might talk to our team about at some point, but uh, uh, there are people around who just don't have a lot, and I don't know, we just need to be doing hampers. We just need to be helping people. We need to be, you know, uh, doing what we can to help people. Man, if I was there, I would have said, here, Paul, you can have me motorbike coat. It's lined. I don't care. I'll get another one. You're in jail. Have that. Something to keep you warm. Like, helping people is important. You know that? Helping people is really, really, really important. I see that with Paul here. He just needed a few people to step up and start helping him. It would have made a huge difference to him. And, uh, and sometimes, I've, you know, I've known we've had people sick in church or going through things, and we've had people say, well, I can't do anything, but I made you a meal, or I, or I made you this, or I did this. And, 
and they don't think it's much, but it meant so much to the person that was not doing so good, you know, and sometimes it doesn't take a lot to make a difference. And so can we learn that off Paul this morning? Those things would have made a heap of difference to him, praise God. So um, he wasn't in the Barwon prison with the aircon and the heating and the television and the everything else. Pat, he wasn't, was he? <laughs> it, was in, uh, it wasn't five stars, it wasn't three, two or one. It was about minus 30, I'd say, probably where parole Paul was. So anything could have helped him. It really don't. It really could have. Number five, I, lo- I love this about Paul. Paul forgave. Paul, Paul knew the power of forgiveness. Paul knew the importance of putting things right while you can. It's just important to do things while you can because you don't know when you can't. Does that make sense? If there's someone you need to tell them you love them today, go tell them you love them today. Don't wait till tomorrow. You don't know what's going to happen tonight, do you? I remember doing a funeral some years ago, a graveside service for a man that hadn't seen his kids for 36 years, and I just never forget it. So, well, what if I helped you right? What if I, you know, and oh, yeah, I suppose... And then he died before we could do that. He died the next day after and, and uh, his kids found out and came to the funeral and they would have loved that. But too late. When someone's deceased, it's too late. And so uh, uh, Paul was... Um, I, I can see Paul mellowing down through the years. Can you see that? You know, he wasn't, and we do, that. we mellow a bit, don't we? We slow down a bit. See people driving along the road that frustrate the life out of me. They're slowed down quite a lot. <coughs> but uh, uh, I haven't had the same problem yet. But anyway, uh, praise God. But uh, <laughs> a little anxious, whatever else. But Paul, Paul, forg- Paul forgave and put things uh, right while he had time. Uh, Acts fifteen thirty six. you read there of Paul and Barnabas and they want to go back and Paul says to Barnabas, let's go back and go for all the cities where we've started churches and where we've seen people saved. Let's go back and visit them all. And uh, Barnabas, Barney said, yeah, that's a good idea. And he said, let's take uh, Mark with us, John Mark. Uh, let, let's take him with us. And so they'd been somewhere with Mark and he'd nicked off. Is that good preaching this morning? That's my Aussie way of saying that's what happened. They took him somewhere and he cleared out. He didn't stay there. And so Paul was furious. And uh, I'm not taking him. He said, absolutely no way. He said he, he cleared out when we were in Pamphylia. Is that the name of the place? And he'd not gone to the work with us there. And so he said, no, you can get lost. I'm not taking him. And Barnabas says, well, I feel we should, Brother Paul. They might have been like the old AOG. It was always Sister Jill and Brother Alan and how are you, Sister Pam? And I remember a lady saying that I was talking to Brother Albert in bed last night and I thought, goodness me, what's going on here? But it was a husband, Brother Brother, brother Albert. Yeah, they talk funny like that. Maybe he said, hey, Brother Barnabas, I'm not taking him. Well, Brother Paul, I beseech thee, no, get lost, brother. Yeah, I don't know, they wouldn't take him. And they, they had a big falling out and they split up. 
And so Barnabas went with John Mark and with Mark. He wrote John uh, Mark's gospel, like, you know, like we're talking of someone substantial there, but a younger man and he did the wrong thing and that was it. Paul just, boom, wiped him. And so he took Silas and they went, you know, a different direction. And so, uh, but we find here, he says to, uh, to uh, Timothy, get Mark and bring him with you because he's useful to me for ministry. And so obviously things have been put right. You know, Paul's facing death soon, but he wants, he wants Mark, he wants him back. And uh, obviously in the preceding years, receding years, something has been put right and it's been forgiven and, and I just think that's wonderful. And it's a great thing that we can learn from Mark today. Praise God. Really, really good. Number, so what number was that? Five, was it? So if it's wrong, then it's your fault, not mine, Okay. I don't know what number I'd say. Well, if that was five, this is six. Paul ran life's race well. Amen. He was faithful to God's call on his life, all his life. He was able to say, I fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I have kept the faith. So Paul's the man who wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 about running the race of life, running to win, running to receive the prize, finishing the race. And so he's able to write here, I've finished the race, I've, I've run my race, I've done it okay. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. That day still hasn't happened. Okay? That, that day still hasn't happened. But not, uh, and not to me only, but, to all, uh, but also to all who have loved his appearing. So he really did run his race well, Paul did. And uh, one of the reasons was because he knew there was a prize for finishing your race and being faithful to God. It didn't matter what happened. If you were faithful to God and you finished your race, then that was good. And so uh, he did that. And what was the prize? Well, it's a crown of righteousness. I don't know what it looks like. I don't understand it. But I know that if we're faithful too, we will also get a crown of righteousness on that day, the day Jesus comes and he is revealed. Uh, I think that is incredible, don't you? Like if we're faithful and we hang in there, I I just, you know, uh, I don't feel worthy of that. And I think Paul probably didn't lots either, but... God's going to give us one, amen? And he ran his race well, and if we do, we get, a, we get one too. Uh, Paul wrote in Colossians that uh, Jesus, uh, as, you know, because of his shed blood, has brought us into his own presence, and uh, it's in Colossians chapter 1, verses sort of 20 onwards, you read it there. And uh, now we are before God because of the blood of Jesus, we are holy and blameless, and we stand before him without a fault. It's incredible that that's our position before him. And if we're faithful and we stand there, we're going to receive a crown of righteousness too one day. I think that is absolutely incredible. Verse 23 always worries me of Colossians chapter 1. We stand before him without a single fault. And then Paul said, if you continue to stand firmly in the faith. 
there's a great warning there. Some people say you can get saved and you can go out and do whatever you like and you're saved. There's too much warning about not continuing, about falling away. There's warning after warning after warning. And uh, uh, God never blessed Israel when they fell away. They were always, you know, like they just can't see it in Scripture. We've got to continue in the faith. That's really, really important. Very, very quickly, Paul was never full of himself. He always understood and honoured the grace of God in his life. I love that about him. You could write down 1 Timothy 1, 13 to 15, where Paul recognised there that he was the chief of sinners. Yet God's grace had found him and changed him and called him. He understood that he was what he was because of the grace of God was never come to my leadership seminar. I'm going to hold a meeting before I die and, yeah, I'll take up an offering and all that. It just wasn't. He was just Paul, a sinner saved by grace. Loved the grace of God. He understood it. He understood who he was. And that's not a negative thing. He was a saint. Amen? He was going to receive a crown of righteousness for hanging in there. Praise God. But... Uh, he, he, it was never about him, it was about the grace of God, it was about the gospel, it was about what God had done for him. And just very quickly, eight, I got through them, there you go. Paul's motive for serving was love. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, Paul wrote this, For the love of Christ, in my old King James says, constraineth us, uh, compels us, because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. If all died to their old lives, that means. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer uh, live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Paul understood very clearly that his life didn't belong to him anyway. It belonged to God. He had given himself to him. He had purchased him the blood of Jesus. So his life wasn't his, our life isn't ours, is it? It belongs to him, we gave it to him. Did you give your heart to Jesus? You gave your, yeah. You read to, read, read to Romans chapter 12, verses, uh, verse 2, and, and uh, no, we, we don't belong to ourselves, we belong to him. And, and I mean, that's a message in itself. We need to look after ourselves if we belong to him. If you've got a borrowed car, you try and look after it, don't you? You try to. And uh, you, uh, someone lends you something, you try and take care of it and whatever else. And it's not like we're lent, but it's sort of kind of like that because he purchased us with his own blood. We belong to him. That's why we want to honour him. That's why, like Paul, we want to live honourably before him. We want to do the right things. We want to be honest in everything, you know, as we live. And uh, God blesses honorably. Amen? Praise God. I trust that was helpful to you this morning. Why don't we stand? Why don't we stand? You've been listening to Life Church Podcasts. For more information, head to lifechurchbanella.com.au.